3: Hello, hello, how are you there? Episode 32 of Falling Forward with Dan Lassac. Look at that. How are you all doing? I hope you are well, staying safe.
4: Stay indoors,
3: as they say uh, out there on the streets. Wait, no, out there in the houses. So who's this week's guest? It is the lovely Jason Reed of the Stop and Search podcast of UK Leap and now of a brand new podcast so i start a revolution from my bed uh jason suffers from me so obviously has lived a fairly isolated time he's married and stuff and all that but you know what i mean can't get out as much so it's kind of uh, a podcast about coping strategies and just you know Things that might actually help us during this hot new virus everyone's talking about. Uh, So I got him on because I wanted to talk about that. And then we forgot to talk about that. Because, you know, I'm not a professional podcaster. So I then had to hurriedly record 10 minutes about that at the end. Which I've helpfully tacked at the start of the podcast. Because some of you get bored real quick, don't you? And and hang up. So uh, just making sure you people get marketed to... Um, it's a good one this week it's way more political than uh we usually get we usually get a bit of politics but i think um yeah some of you are gonna be like wait dan's a socialist yeah yeah that's a thing um but yeah i hope you enjoy it like i said i had to edit it in a a bit of a funny way so might seem a bit odd but that's why it had to be Oh, and you might notice there's no stings this week. Um, I can't find them, those those little audio files. It's patreon.com things. So, uh, yeah, I'll just say them out loud. If you like the music, danasack.bandcamp.com. If you want to support the podcast directly, that's patreon.com forward slash danasack. Yes, yeah, all you need to know. Oh, rate and review, uh, rate, comment, and subscribe, and all that. And that would be greatly appreciated. Is that all I've got to say? Yes, yes. For once, for once, guys, that is all I've got to say. Hope you're enjoying this one. Make sure you check out Jason's podcasts, Plural. Um, um. and yeah, yeah. I'll just, I'll just go. No, I won't. The other thing, <laughs> uh, the other thing is keep an eye on Jason's so I start a revolution from my bed podcast because I'm a guest on there I'm not sure when it comes out but we recorded it straight after recording this one and I'm gonna be honest it's better than this one uh we had a lot of fun yeah I haven't been a guest on something for a while so uh yeah I felt somewhat nervous but we had a lot of uh japes and japery
0: I think is the correct term now I'll get out of the way
3: So we've started now, and we have to fake like we started. Right, but it's like quantum ge- leap. But I'm leaving this bit in so they know, okay? Right. So how are you? Double
4: podcaster now? Yes, I, I've got for some reason I've got two. Um, one of them I've been doing for the last four years, uh, thanks to the scroobious pip, um, who when he had me on his podcast and we spoke about the culture high, uh, the films that I've done, um, he he then afterwards said do you fancy doing a podcast on the war on drugs so i was like yeah totally so that is when we formed stop and search mm. and bizarrely it won two british podcast awards to uh, in 2018 which was just mind blowing because we was up against uh blue planet yeah we, we we beat blue planet yeah amber
3: has got enough awards though he's fine yeah
4: i, I like to think that I've, I've got a better voice than amber as well <laughs> <Bless you. laughs> get out get out <laughs> And like I said, I've made this joke loads of times now. So if anybody does follow my work, they've heard this a million times, but because I've won those two awards for essentially talking, which is just bizarre because my cognitive mm. function is terrible because of the illness, I always bring it up in arguments with my other half that no matter what she says, I can always throw it at her that I'm an award-winning talker. Yeah. And that, <laughs> that, that instantly makes me a complete twat. But um, it nevertheless never fails to wind her up. So that's always a bonus. So yeah, we won... Uh Smartest Podcast uh Silver and uh Best Current Affairs, uh, I think it was. Nice um, so, yes, yeah, so we got these little laurels on our on our podcast now, which is again it's just crazy that we got recognized to that degree and it's generally humbling. I make a joke of it, but it's 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 just so nice to know that you get some recognition because the the, the podcast that we produce on Stop and Search are uh, so varied from um Famous people like Rufus Hale, Marcus Brigstock. Marcus has mm. been on your show. Marcus
3: has been on mine. I think mine was better. Uh, yeah, totally. Just, just, you know, you know. Yeah. But,
4: yeah. Marcus just went on... Marcus was so open. He went into, like, porn addiction and mm. food addiction, eating out of a bin and things like that. And I can't thank people enough like that, that are that degree of open, uh, that they can share yeah. that, what they've... Yeah, the,
3: yeah, it's it, it's really interesting to see in this this age where you could get whether be cancelled by the internet or or not asked to come back on TV shows, yeah. to then actually be open about stuff, you know? Yeah. Like, it's really interesting.
4: And one of the other ones that was just mind-blowing was Ian Lee. Ian Lee gave us the most mm. beautiful interview because of what he's been through with addiction and he came third in I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here and when he came out of the jungle, what he went through in that period, he, he was so open with us on mm. like that. And there's a friend of mine called Secret Drug Addict that, again, is just... He, he worked with Oasis. He was there for Britpop at the very epicentre. And mm. he's just such a fascinating guy. And going about his addiction and what, what he went through is just... You know, you learn so much. And then you get ones like the fact that we produced the first podcast in Parliament, which is just, mm. again, incredible, which I don't think you're actually supposed to do. Um, it's only because we've got good allies. Uh, when when you go through Parliament, you go through so many security checks, and you have to put in a list of your equipment beforehand. You know, no visual equipment because that's that's definitely forbidden. Yeah. Um, so I think we kind of got into a bit of a grey area with it, but we've done two there now, and potentially another one on the way, if if, if we're still functioning as a society by then because of Corona. Um, but also, we should be doing one in the House of Lords at some point as well, which is nice. going to be the quite comfier seats. Yeah, it was nice and red. That's, yeah. that's the difference. You've got the, the green of the Commons and the red of the Lords. That's how you <laughs> differentiate. So yeah, that, I never that's never really what we did on thought, and
3: thought and about search. that. Yeah. Um, but so we are going to talk a lot about uh, stop and search and your work with Leap in a minute. But so what is your new podcast?
4: Yeah. So the new one is is was formulated quite quickly because I started on social media realizing that. There's a lot of people struggling with isolation and and just being cut off from the world. So, because of my circumstances of being housebound predominantly for the last thirty years, hmm. I've I think I've done all right within that surrounding. You know, I've in the trailer of this new one called um, "So I Start a Revolution from My Bed." I say that I've not yet been caught barking at trees or trying to catch squirrels, uh, and I think that my mental health is has, has been about as stable as it can be mm. so how can we try and get a broader conversation of coping mechanisms and trying to get to grips with what it's like being on our own cut off from society what can we do to have fun within that and the various different ways of being i, I don't like using the word but mindfulness mm. you know what can why we don't, do to why don't those? you like
3: using that word though it's a good word it means what it means
4: i think it's become one of those words that's been a bit co-opted it's it gets used in a lot of i mean bless her my other half is who's is, is upstairs trying to be quiet she's got a lot of magazines that are a little bit woo for my liking and again whatever it takes i'm by no means knocking anyone's belief system and i, I genuinely mean that mm. because i've if you look over to my shoulder i've got all kinds of crystals behind me which light up i'm not a crystal person mm. but i believe in the nice visuals and setting the scene and They're things pretty, like that yeah yeah I've got amethyst tea light holders, which are just so gorgeous when they light up.
3: (laughs) But yeah, there's there's definitely uh, whether you, whatever you believe, like there is nothing more calming than a tidy room with somewhere comfortable to sit, you know, and something nice to look at, you know, like the reason why a lot of meditation rituals and stuff have flames in them is because there is a
4: hypnotic element to that. That's you know. the perfect example: is water, flames, all these elements that they are. They don't inherently. work together. No. <laughs> I don't know. I've I, I anything's possible in Vegas. Steam, you know that. Yes, <laughs> steam. That. So, the, so the new podcast
3: out. is is kind of getting into coping mechanisms and and yeah. different people's approaches and,
4: to that, and looking at people's private lives. So we've the first their proper episode went out this week with Johan Hari, who's a friend mm-hmm. of mine and a journalist. And we've, t- we've labelled it In Bed with Johan Hari because mm-hmm. it's about private lives. What mm. happens when the door shuts? How do you relax? And I always say to people, don't squander your relaxation. Don't sit on the sofa with the phone in your hand, flicking through it, flicking through the channels and then wasting three hours and then you've got to go to bed. Set yourself up for it. You would set yourself up to go into the cinema you'd get... Popcorn and drink, you'd possibly be dressed up. You've got the ambient smells around you. That's Do that in your own home.
3: With, with people doing like dress up at home, like uh, people doing Zoom call, pub yeah. nights and stuff. It is actually like, okay, this situation we're in, which we're going to talk about more throughout the rest of the podcast, because I keep forgetting we're recording this at the end, but it's the start. We've quite um, looped it. It's very, very confusing. um But like, this new normal we can still have fun we can if we put in the effort
4: we can make the most of of this difficult situation and and situations like this quite often give you a perspective mm. so we've been cut off so therefore we're starting to miss things we're starting to some people might miss the pub you know i personally don't i, I find pubs horrible yeah I'm just, um, i just shrugged i'm very <laughs> yeah give a fuck and then you've got people that are missing the cinema. You've got people that are missing going for a walk at the beach. They, they're they going to come back to us. We're going to have those moments. So when you do get back to them, appreciate them as you're going through them. But also, you can have appreciation in your memory. You know, Really relive that. Vividly mm. bring it back. Make that a point of comfort. And that's what we don't necessarily do enough. Because the average person is so channelled on what they're doing. They've got the luxury of time and energy, mostly. When you haven't got that, you do find yourself having a different perspective of savouring things more. And what I term my illness as um, is like you've got a budget. So just as the same as you may have a £20 note to go out and spend on a night. With my energy levels, I may have £5 to go out and spend on a night. So therefore, what can I do to maximise that? And what can I do to bring stuff away and have that as a memory as well? And that's what I think the average person is starting to understand now of okay, let's really appreciate life. Let's work out what matters.
3: It's very similar to the sponge analogy with creativity. Mm. Like creativity, your creativity is a sponge. And the way you fill that sponge is by enjoying life and fine foods and relaxation and movies and all the things people do for entertainment is how you fill that sponge up. And yeah. then when you're being creative, you're squeezing all the liquid joy out of that into your work. But there is always a point at which that sponge is empty. And uh, when everyone's saying, oh, you should write a sonnet. Yeah, King Lear. Yeah. Shakespeare wrote King Lear. Wah. Shakespeare had, like, all the money sorted. His rent was paid. He had patrons and stuff. And King Lear's a ripoff of a story in the newspaper of the day anyway. But, you know, yeah, we can all do it. And it's all, well, no, you can't, because you can't fill that sponge up without all the joy to go into it. So then yeah. squeeze out again, milk life out of your sponge of creativity. <laughs> it, it was a good analogy. I read it on the internet. <laughs> um, okay, right. Listeners, we're going to now jump back to what would be the start of the recording, but isn't the start of the podcast. Because we we forgot a thing, okay, so this might be a bit jarring, but we're gonna edit and then go I'm off. <laughs> it was really good because the internet crapped out for a second, so it was
4: like, I'm pressing record now I'm off <laughs> <laughs> I like to think me and Steve Jobs worked that little joke
3: out yeah he's he's dead now, oh no, yeah, I that. yeah, they killed him. They killed him. Uh, Bill
4: Gates, him and his vaccines.
3: That Bill Gates, right? Everyone talks he was on the BBC this morning and uh he's a he comes across like he's a goodie. But he's not. He's a baddie. Well maybe he's somewhere in between. He's not quite a baddie. But like they were talking about the mill the mill, Bill and Melinda Gates foundation. And um, that's cool and all. They put all that money aside to, like, save the world or whatever. But they reinvest that money in, like, Warren Buffett's hedge fund to keep that topped up. And obviously Warren Buffett's hedge fund is in, like, ExxonMobil, is in McDonald's, all that. It's like, ah, so not strictly good then, guys.
4: You do find that with, like, there's this inherent aspects and i I do know a couple of billionaires and i don't want to kind of besmirch their reputation yeah (laughs) just a couple and but the thing is it's like if you've got that amount of money if you're if you're a billionaire chances are you're not as choppy as what your uh, reputation precedes you because you shouldn't have that amount of money
3: yeah to become a billionaire to turn if you imagine it like if someone gives you a pound and says right you have to survive off that and turn it into a thousand pounds physically impossible you couldn't do it the only way you could do that is to like buy a one pound knife and mug someone for more money Mm. and and that's what happens like I, I don't think like billionaires start out with this evil intent in mind but I think as time goes on you start to see humans as commodities and and you pay them for what they're worth to you not what It costs them to survive. And part of the reason why nurses get paid so little and footballers get paid so much because footballers Mm. generate vast sums of money for a football club. So they get paid a share of that vast sums. Nurses don't generate any money for anyone. So they don't get paid, which is completely unfair. But it is also capitalism working as intended.
4: And also, just it reflects our value system because, as you said, you know we value people on a pitch kicking a ball, but not the people that are saving our lives. And it's because we've we've formulated that the monetary system is almost like a, another element that we need. So mm. we need oxygen, we need water, and if this crisis is teaching us anything at the moment, the next one is going to be the economy. And you know, I've got people around me going, "Oh, we're doomed because of the economy." It's like. We're doomed if our water supply is is, is is no longer functioning or all of a sudden our oxygen is pulled out of the world. That's mm. where you're doomed. Anything else you can problem solve. It's not a chemical element that we need. This this is a man-made construct. And it's going to be really hippie to say that because your people are going to go, oh, you're so naive. But why? This is a fundamental.
3: Where the flaws in the system are are, are being shown are also showing us how we as individuals can do things to fill those gaps. So when you've got people 3D printing PPE, that's not a thing that should happen in a sensible society that's working correctly. They shouldn't need to do that. But the fact is, if the economy goes to shit and, I don't know, we need people to run the water purification plant, humanity will fill that gap, whether money is involved or not. And I know that sound again, sounds quite hippy-dippy, and we shouldn't be in that situation. If we're going to build a house of cards, let's try to build a stable one. Um, But, yeah, us as individuals aren't as selfish as as maybe, not we like to think, but that the evidence before now would show us.
4: Yeah, I completely agree with that. And, And that's where, I mean, the realms that I work in, you do deal with the most vulnerable in society. So people on disability benefits who have just been through such a rigmarole over the last five, six, seven years because of what the cuts have been doing. Mm. And it's, it just goes to show you how, again, our, our value system's messed up where most people go, no, we need to look after the vulnerable because it's got a benefit to the rest of us. Even if it hasn't got a benefit to the rest of us, it should be just the fundamental point of look after the vulnerable. Mm. But because of austerity and people starting to th- twist, to go right. If we do that, it's going to be the detriment of this, and you know GDP is going to suffer because of the amount of benefits are being drawn here. And that's why we're now, because of this crisis, having a having a conversation about universal basic income, mm. which is going to be pinned ever more up the up the notice board, because you can't escape the fact that we need to look after each other. Mm. And this crisis is kind of started to shift us over into more of a socialist way of thinking again which i don't think is a bad thing
3: oh yeah you've got people who are very conservative at the moment talking about um like you say universal basic income um like talking about raising nurses wages and stuff and it's like hey guys you you're doing a socialism please yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> stop, stop stealing our shtick yeah. um but yeah no it's it's from a, a intellectual point of view there's a lot of really interesting shit happening around this virus sadly all the death stuff kind of gets in the way of the the fun of overthinking it um, which is <laughs> always <my> <laughs> the human cost just spoiling our fun again basically um you say people you work with what do you do their podcast
4: question we, right. we did that so yeah, this this is a weird one for me to answer because I'm, 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 you might have it as well. Is that if you wear too many hats, you don't know which one to put on when you're in a conversation. Mm. So so I started off my I mean the very origins of me is is a musician somewhere mm. over into the corner. I've got here uh, six guitars, which nice. represent my kind of medals of what I did out there on the scene. But that's not me anymore. That's that was ten. Yeah, 10, 15 years ago now. So I got a background in music and marketing through that. And I was the, kind of the old school. So we were still, my space was fairly new. So, yeah. you know, that kind of goes to show you that the, the digital age hasn't evolved yet. So we was out there on the circuit, London and Kent. You know, we did, um I'm trying to think of some of the famous ones we did, 12 Bar Club, which is sadly no longer there in Denmark Street. Um But then, my health gave out because i've i 've been um suffering with m e since the age of eight, and that was when drug policy started to come into my into my radar because I was on a prescription legacy of codeine for for years and years and years since the age of eight, and I realized if I wanted to keep my organs, then mm. I was going to need to do something about that so You'd think, being a musician, I'd have a, an awareness of the drug scene, but I totally <laughs> didn't. I, I, I was completely naive. I didn't even drink. Um, so someone said, you know, let's let's get you into cannabis. So I was like, oh, that'd be stupid. You know, I was grained. great deal. Oh, drugs are bad. Exactly. Just say no, because that's, that's the easiest way. One toque, one token, and you were running through the streets with a
3: knife, stabbing <laughs> grannies. Completely
4: naked. God, nightmarish. <laughs> We've all been there. Oh, yeah. And and it works. It was one of those ones. I was like, "Whoa, this this definitely works." And I've and I've always been really boring and conservative with it. In that, you know, I don't use that much. I don't do it socially because mm. it just I just don't kind of get on with that way of doing things. I'd rather just sit there and melt in front of the next Mandalorian episode or or the Royal Rumble or something. So from there, I was like, well, I've got to do something about this. And and that was when I started getting involved in drug policy, which from a musician to a drug policy reformer is quite a a strange bound. And then there was this organisation called Leap UK, which was an organisation of police. Uh, So you had Undercover, MI5. And I was like, well, they're powerful. Yeah, they're the ones that are going to make a difference. So I got in contact with them. They were fairly... um, fairly stationary in this country and I took them on. I got uh, asked to be executive director so Leap UK then started to kind of form up and we got loads of different members now so because there's
3: an American Leap that you you're kind of an offshoot of originally. That's it yeah yeah
4: yeah so it started in America and it was it was again big drug warriors that have been out there on the front lines chucking in people's doors with the big red key really harsh drug war tactics that they have been part of mm. and they went this doesn't work this isn't helping people so they they turned around and going, should we do this a different way should we do you know legalization in quotation marks and of course back in 2000 which i think was when they roughly started that kind of conversation was just was nowhere mm. you know legalization was a very bad word so when we started here which was in 2010 um the conversation had gone on a little bit more, but it was still very in the shadows. It was still the the realms of being hippies again that was going. No, free the weed, um and you just weren't taken seriously. But but, but now in twenty twenty, which I can't believe it is, it's really progressed to such a degree that most people, most intelligent people, yeah. tend to agree that we need legalization regulation. The w- um, the weird
3: thing about it as well is although it's a, a fairly, I think. If we were to polarize it, it is a fairly conservative idea to to legislate against drug usage. Yet, weirdly, it's a fairly conservative idea to make money out of things. Um, And it, it it is interesting to me that we can prove, like something like weed, particularly, we can prove not that it's harmless. It isn't harm. Nothing's harmless, but it's less harmful than alcohol. So, we, we can show that. And then we can also show that it's really profitable because all of the damage that weed does is directly linked to the crimes committed, you know, the, the trafficking of it. So, it's like, well, yeah, you can stop crimes and make money. That, surely that should be like a. Like Boris should be sitting there going, yeah, wait, stop crimes. And make money. Let's do this.
4: If you, if you do a thing called a cost-benefit analysis, where you just look at it all—that's you know, the word. I should cost. have just said that. I, it, I, it I went on for like five minutes. So. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and if uh, Susie Gage, who is a, a friend of ours on the network, my, her book is—I wouldn't say but,
3: friends, acquaintance. Yeah, Dr. Susie
4: George, or Saucy George, as the distract, as the uh, hardcore listing guys. <laughs>
3: yeah, it makes me uncomfortable at any time. I
4: think any any hardcore listing thing makes me uncomfortable. I Don't know about you?
3: Yeah, anything Steve says. Like, hello, Dan. Oh. oh, sets with teeth on bless it. Bless him. Hello, po- that's for
4: Pod Bible. Yeah, just go, let's not get started on Pod Bible. Bless him. But um, it's it's one of those ones that it's just on any metric doesn't make sense. The war on drugs is just absolutely nonsense. And if you just strip it all away and start again, and you explain to the average person the logic of it, they get it. But the, what the average person hasn't been privy to until this point is just a sensible conversation because it's been Mm. done through headlines newspaper headlines of yeah this drug does this schizophrenia this that and the other so they associate harms with drugs so why would you want to make something that's harmful legal and that's been the linear thought process so if you can strip that away you tend to get a better answer and and
3: that conversation obviously is both getting easier and harder like the The access, the good information is easier to find now at the same time as the bad information is so much easier to find now. And obviously with the way in which media has to generate its revenue, like through clickbait, basically. So the Daily Mail have no invested interest in saying, hey, this drug does this. It's not that bad. No one's clicking that article. Man does thing, isn't an exciting article. But
4: man smokes one spliff and murders family is far more interesting. This is the the funny thing, with it, and I don't want to single newspapers out, but it does tend to be the Daily Mail. Bless. Them. Yeah, it's the day. The Daily Mail have cultivated
3: um, their audience in that way. They've mm. they've got their comment section driven to a point where. You have the absolute rabid fanboys at the, and the ones who want to prove them wrong and, and dunk on them and argue against them. So it means that they're driving double the traffic they should be. And they know how to trigger their audience. You're right. What
4: you, what you said is clickbait. Mm. If you put out a headline, and it's and it is standardised because if you look at the headlines, it's normally just one joint and then some salacious story underneath. So just one joint can cause schizophrenia or just one joint can, can make this person go out there and sort of run around mm. with a traffic cone in their head. We're no longer news, it's more marketing. And this mm. is where what? going back to what I do that's where I've come in in that I'm not a scientist you know I, I'm fairly sure that people like Dr Susie Gage look at what I do and go oh shut up Jason because <laughs> I, I just don't talk in scientific language I'm certainly not a politician even though I know loads now some some are good some you know they are good politicians out there um, and I'm certainly not an academic but what I do which I think has been a little bit different is I've got a kind of a marketing head on me in the sense that I've been in front of audiences most of my life to one degree or another. So I tend to think in terms of how can you connect with that last person that hasn't got their bum off the seat? Mm. And that's where I've come into the politics and science realm and gone, right, well, I know for a fact that what that scientist is saying and what that politician is saying and that academic isn't getting across to the layman. They don't understand it. So how can you form that information into something that is marketable and that they can grasp and then take away and tell their mate, and yeah. that's where I've come into it.
3: Yeah, it's definitely uh, find the reason for someone to care about it. You know, so like some people showing them the financial benefit, some people showing them the health benefit, but re- it's also realizing that just the facts aren't the compelling part of it. Finding how those facts uh, influence that person to change their mind are the important thing and uh, it's definitely a skill that a lot of people don't have especially in academia because that the way academia is set up is is to go overboard on detail as yeah. such so i've got a little tickle
4: <clears throat> i'm oh, hoping no. I'm hoping yeah, it's not keep, the rona. Keep, <laughs> keep that at bay, please. Can we, ca- can we catch it over the internet? Because if so, I need to kind of put up some kind of screen in front of me now.
3: Have you got Norton?
4: Norton antivirus. <laughs> yeah, put it around the face. <laughs> <laughs> My dad would be proud of that joke.
3: Um, so that's what Leap do, basically. You, you are a, a body of speakers and activists.
4: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean. Who know I, what they're that- talking about that's just one of my roles is the leak role so again we've got people like Neil Woods who's a former undercover officer who's written two books uh, drug wars and uh, good cop bad war which I totally recommend because mm. if you're into true crime or line of duty or anything like that those books are really show you what it's like to be on the front line of the drug wars and it's just it's brutal mm. and what Neil and what Neil says and what a lot of the undercover's that we've got under us like we've got Frank Matthews who is in a safe house for 6 years because because he was uh, in witness protection because of what the gangs were going to do to him. Mm. And we've got Nick Nick Castle, who had a samurai sword to his throat and was just, again, beaten on the job because of being an undercover officer. All of them come out the other side of this saying, well, that didn't work. And what we've done is we've just made the lives of the vulnerable even worse. Mm. So what can we do to go about that? And so the simple solutions are heroin assisted treatment so if you've got a heroin addiction chances are you didn't want to get that way it might have been through childhood trauma or physical trauma or mental trauma so let's create a prescription for you where you don't have to source it off the streets it's a very simple process that works and the coronavirus has proved it so because things are very different in the world at the moment you know we've got social distancing what the government has done is they push legislation, legislation through really quickly of you can get methadone prescriptions really easily. You don't have to go back every week to get them. And they've trusted people to sort of manage their own addictions and dependencies. Mm. That's what we're just calling for is just let people have an autonomy in their situation because the average person doesn't want to die. So if you create safety nets for them, we have a healthier society because they don't have to source it off the street, and it means that they're getting a the purer substance that, that isn't going to kill them and isn't going to put in quotation marks a drain on the services. Even though I, I'm not I a guarantee,
3: remote. like the last who shoots up by the bin, just round the back of my house, she doesn't want to be there. Yeah. I, I guarantee her crouched behind a bin, well, multiple bins. It's a few houses' bins. Like her climbing back there and shooting up, it, I just can't see it, that being her you know what, today I'm going to shoot up behind some bins, so that's definitely what I want to be doing with my life.
4: And, and that's another thing we can do, is we've got drug consumption More bins. <laughs> we definitely need more bins around here. I won't get you started on the bins here, but there's, there's a whole bin war that happens in my room. Oh, nice. One, one didn't get taken the other day because there was too much uh, soil in it. And, <gasps> yeah, The brown bins aren't getting collected, but I mean... How many different in, bins you got? We've, we've got three. Got... So we've got blue, brown, green, and I have not got a food bin yet, but they do exist.
3: Wait, what? We've only got two. Really? We have just trash and recycling, and you can't recycle half the things you can recycle. Like all the no. things that say you can recycle them, they're like yoghurt pots. Fuck you. I ain't, I ain't taking. You put one re- yoghurt pot in your bin, they won't take any of it.
4: Oh, my word. This is like, this is a whole other ball game. You have, have to, to like,
3: dig through and make sure you haven't accidentally put a Tetra pack in
4: there. I did see someone take a picture of someone's inner bin the other day, and I wasn't sure where that picture was going. I think there must be some kind of board of shame somewhere. That
3: yeah, there's a Facebook group. I guarantee it. <laughs> oh, look at Dave's bin.
4: Oh, he hasn't he hasn't
3: rinsed that out with a hose. Well, sorry, some of us can't afford hoses.
4: And but it, but genuinely though, that uh, bin men they're doing a massive brilliant service at the moment and we are going to thank ours that come around because they have done such a good job because they're not getting the right protection gear they're keeping our sort of system running so genuinely bin men you're up there you're definitely doing what
3: how do we keep that momentum of will of goodwill going in two months time when everyone's
4: running around in the sun i'm hoping that we've got longer memories than what the recent past has showed us because this has happened before where you get momentum going and then it falls down to the fiscal argument again, and this is where we were saying just a moment ago that finance and money isn't a chemical element we need; we need oxygen, we need water, we need food, we need sunlight. when they run out, we're truly screwed. you know mm. this is kind of close encounters of the third kind level buggered money there's ways we can do it you know we can we can problem solve that in whatever way we can create new industries. So I'm hoping that we're not going to boil this all down to a financial argument at the end of this because mm. there's every chance that we will because that's what we do in this country. We, we put that above all else and we need to have longer memories of what people have done for us, how you can create these, these, these unity movements which is... They've been growing for a long time because I think that we're going to edge ever closer to the left and right spectrums because polarisation tends to happen when you've got this stagnant middle ground. And because we've been in the centre ground for a fair while, that's why they're decades. kind of... It feels yeah. like
3: decades at this point.
4: I mean, probably since, even before Blair, you could probably argue that we went centre. Mm. And now you had the Corbyn movement and you've got in America the, the Bernie Sanders movement, both of which have had their knocks and been quashed. Mm. Uh, and by no means, you yeah, am I endorsing any politician within this. It's just an interesting thing to watch of how we have moved to the left and right. And that's why you do get the birth of Trump. And chances are, I mean, I don't want to predict it, but he's probably getting in next time because of what Biden just isn't really a nice alternative.
3: But his health does not look good. I know I'm not a doctor and all, all that, those usual caveats, not assuming people are going to die. But like, I, I cannot see how any American is going to go to the polls and look at Biden and think, yeah, he's he's going to be around for eight more years. He's definitely yeah. our guy. The only way Biden wins, uh, in my opinion, is if he brings in the right young energetic running mate but like the one that might swing it for him would be liz warren but i can't see her giving up her shot four more years down the line to be
4: his vice president you know and this is where the internal systems bite the the national narratives on the ass because this is what happened within the labor party here and what happens in the democratic party there is that they go through their own systems even though it's supposed to be open to to outside votes and, and mm. the, sort of the, the union votes and that lot, it still goes down the same lines as what they want to nudge it down. Yeah. yeah. And it just, and it, it happened with Hillary. She was not going to be a viable alternative. She was always going to be polarization. They wanted to get the first female president, which is completely fine and we should, but she was not a popular candidate. Mm. So they, they shot themselves in the foot by pushing for that. Is at the that detriment an... of natural movements.
3: It's It's that thing of, um, there were so many little meaningless things that were really catchphrasy, like mm. the "but her emails" thing. Just like it meant that they, Trump supporters, could make noise that wasn't very easy to argue ab- against. It's it, this is the thing about the way the internet works. We're kind of just rambling, which is fine. Arguments on the internet, you have to remember, you're not arguing with the person you're talking to. Yeah. And they're not arguing with you. You're both performing this argument to the audience. And what works with an audience is quippy, short uh, dunks on a person, not 14 tweet threads explaining why that person's wrong. Getting into the nuance of why her emails should or shouldn't matter or Benghazi or whatever just looks like you're losing. You know, even if you're being the.
2: The great liberal
3: intelligentsia. You look like you're losing. And they get to go... Lol. Yeah. mm, Our emails. You got nothing to say in that. And yeah. It's that thing of... um, For someone to win... You either have to make so much noise... That the bullshit gets drowned out by your noise. Or they have to be the purest of pure... With nothing they can throw at them. And what happened with Corbyn was no matter what good he has done in the past, it was just so easy to go, ha, IRA, innit? It didn't matter that other people had met the same members of the IRA as him. You could just show a picture of him with whoever and go, ha, there
4: you go, IRA, innit? And he loses. You, you've hit upon a point that I always say, if if I'm speaking to a, a new member of League that's coming up that I want to get him a little bit media savvy, I always say to him, remember that the debate is a spectator sport mm. because you're not doing it to the individual, you're playing to the crowd. Yeah. And that's why you do need to be aware of your conduct, you need to be aware of not sinking to ad homonyms, which can quite often come out because that's basically how Corbyn... Uh, uh, listeners, favored.
3: in debate talk, that's insults, okay? Yeah. Don't yeah. attack
4: them. Play the ball, not the man. Don't the use
3: logical fallacies.
4: Yes. Yep. Yes. Although I don't know what that is. I, there's forty two different fallacy.
3: logical fallacies or something. How w- it? There's loads. Yeah, I watched a, a video about all the different like man's and all this, and I was like, oh, this is really interesting instantly
4: forgot it all (laughs) yeah so straw man uh it it basically if if you've got like a wicker man hold hold uh, a flame to an argument it goes up in flames really quickly so something that's built upon a you know a tissue of lies that's Mm. a straw man Um, and there is there's so many different things and i've you know i've learned all this the hard way i just went out there just as the same as in the gig circuit i went out of out with a guitar sung on stage died for some Flourished for others. It's the same in this realm. I've gone out there, had no training whatsoever, Mm. felt my way through it, made a mess of some areas, had success in other ways, and and that's where I always bang on about the fact that this isn't politics. This is marketing, Mm. and and that's where I mean going back to kind of all my other hats. One of the one of the projects that I am most fond of. Is um, on Amazon Prime as we speak, called uh, a documentary called Culture High. Um, this is our me and Pip met uh, our our mutual friend Scroobius Pip. Who? I've, yeah, I've heard of him, the podcaster. Yeah, he's got a beard, I think. Something like Yeah, that. yeah, beards are cool. Yeah, yeah, I've mine did grow. Oh, that's a beard. Sorry. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's kind of more kind of. I've gone for more of a. I was going to say mine. I just thought
3: there, you were using one of those uh, like Snapchat filters.
4: I, I didn't realize. <laughs> oh, I I must admit I I did delve into Snapchat for about a day, and I did like this this big sailor one. I'm like, no, I'm out. I can't I can't be doing with this because this is this is far too much for a 15 year old. Yeah, but, um, I, I can see. I'm I'm thinking maybe I do need to get a Snapchat, but then I'm like Snapchat. I don't
3: bother with. I think Snapchat. You have to have a bit like if you have to have a bit of a a group of people for it to be fun. You know, and maybe you need a few people on there you you can enjoy. I can imagine like Chris and uh, Stu and their listeners having fun on Snapchat. But yeah, no,
4: TikTok. I like TikTok. You see, I don't understand that. It it looks like a load of teens uh, gyrating. Right.
3: Remember, do do you ever. Vine? Do you remember Vine?
4: Yeah, vaguely, yeah.
3: So it's just Vine. Okay. With with music. Yeah, so Vine went down, and then another website came in called Musically which was um, doing lip syncs to music clips. And it was really easy to grab the audio from one clip and re redo it. And TikTok is that taken to the nth degree. The way memes work, obviously things develop so fast. So, like, the moment one girl decided, you know what, I'm going to do a lip sync to my shitty ex-boyfriend's voicemail... Then everyone sees it and, goes and does it, and then people iterate. and I I like watching TikTok. I would never create a TikTok.
4: About I, um, Kick, I don't understand. Kick is that just another messenger service? I think Kick's
3: yeah, but like you can pay for access.
4: Oh, that's I think one kick, of those. Yeah,
3: yeah, I associate Kick with my Dominatrix friends or my right. sex worker friends because I yeah. think it's a pay for access messaging. I might
4: be wrong, listeners.
3: Please correct me.
4: <laughs> yeah, please inform us because I'm now officially middle aged. I think we're getting distracted. We are, we yeah. Are. So, where was I? Um, documentaries, uh, you, yes. you've worked on a
3: couple of documentaries. See, I'm gonna I lead have. you into I'm not editing any of this, so they know we just got distracted. <laughs> I might have been so for you're, a total, you're a total pro. You I are. try documentaries.
4: So I've, I've I've worked on well I've worked on loads, but there's two that I've got producer credit for, um, and that's Grassroots: uh, the Cannabis Revolution, which is on it was on Amazon Prime. I'm pretty sure it still is, uh, which is a domestic look at, at cannabis people that have had to pour their life into activism, um, mm. and it's directed by Dale ba- uh, Beaumont Brown, who's a, who's a great guy, um, and it's just it's it maps out what activists have to do, and it's if you have got most people are lucky that they don't have a cause that they have got to fight. You know, mm. they may have, they may sit there and and grumble out the window, but every so often something comes along where you actually have to properly fight the system. Mm. And and this is one of those examples that you know people with MS, people with Crohn's, people that just can't walk are having to go to the government and say, you know. We're not criminals we're, we're trying and to do something
3: this thing is definitely not for a lot of people it's not about getting stoned a lot of the time it is about pain relief
4: i must admit i i'm the same i, I don't particularly like getting a heady high because mm. it just doesn't it doesn't work for me so i'm more you know please just take this body pain away and, mm. and that's where you get i mean now most people know what cbd is but yeah. back 10 years ago no one had a clue. So when we were... People in that fraternity were growing strains that are high CBD or, or were, you know, just bona fide CBD strains, most people were like, what? What are you on about? You know, it was weed. Always the same. But now CBD yeah. is a bloody high street product. The evolution has been really interesting to watch.
3: Yeah. It is interesting. Like, I think it is that thing of over time we do progress towards progression. Mm. Like there is a point in the world where I think about it. Like my dad wouldn't know. Um, I wouldn't accept the idea that gay men existed probably 40 years ago. Yet my mom will sit there and watch drag race. Now, you know, <laughs> there's, there is progression there and he, he might not get drag race. <laughs> what are they doing? Why are they doing that? There's a lot of that that goes on, but at the same time, like he's moved from, 40 years ago where we would have been like what the fuck oh, to some level of acceptance i think that happens with most things in life we gradually as we as it touches our lives or we just shown that it exists we go oh that's a thing that exists rather than thing bad
4: and that's where the word normalization you know again a while, that whole conversation there i could have just said yeah it's been normalized it's true it gets to the point where society just doesn't care because it's just so integrated I mean you probably know it but there's a great book and film called Pride which looks at what the gay community and what the minors that were on strike at the time in Mm. the early 80s when they got together to form a a movement and Mm. that's everything you know what we've kind of talked about within the last half hour blimey 37 minutes Um, it's because I talk so much I can't I believe that. To. I just looked around and I was like, well, "That's got It cool. just happens, and it's that's what the movements are. It's like, get that pocket, get that pocket. We've got a mutual cause somewhere. Let's form up a spear, not a literal one, but you know, a phalanx, and and get together and put a movement out. This
3: there. is why, like, um, shit posters will mock them for it, but this is why LGBT has gone LGBT plus or LBTQIA plus. You know, like, because that's different groups of people who have intersecting issues in life and they form together because together they can fight for a cause,
4: you know. And that's what you find in in these movements. And and that's what that documentary, Grassroots, was about. And then the other one that I worked on, which which got uh, Oscar long-listed, which is just, again, mental. And every time I have an argument with my other half, I bring up the fact that I've won an Oscar. And then that's morphed into I've won two Oscars. And then (laughs) I'm fairly sure I'm up for a third this year, but it got cancelled, so I should have won a third. (laughs) Um, And it's it's more of a a global overview of of what the, the war on drugs has done. So it goes into the fact that people have m- messed around with the notion of addiction and what it is, as opposed to you know treating it scientifically and compassionately. Um, how big pharma, you know, let's wield that term out there, you mm. know, plays a part, and so there's big tobacco funding comes into this massively. The the Drug Enforcement Agency in America, the DEA, which is pretty much what every single Netflix cop drama is based on, yeah. They would not be in existence without the war on drugs. So, in just to give a very, very quick brief history, so prohibition of America in the twenties—that was when alcohol was outlawed. Uh, that uh, was when the so listeners, Broadwalk
3: Empire era. Yeah, yes,
4: yes. Yeah. So you've done it to me. You summarised perfectly there. <laughs> um, the, that that era—that um, was when the mafia started to form up, and all of these organised crime groups really started to skyrocket. Al Capone. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was where he formed up. So the American government formed up the DEA to combat that. Well, then alcohol prohibition was uh, was repealed. It was like eight so years you, as well. It wasn't a long it period was quite, of time. It was, it was a long battle. Yeah, you know, mm. you know, That was where the, the untouchables <coughs> came in. You know, it was a yeah. proper blood battle. So then you had this this agency, this government agency that was there, funded, needed more funding, but with nothing to do so that's when they turned their attention to the war on drugs and we've still got that now so this is all about funding streams of how can we keep these these totem poles pop, propped up with mm. some degree of you know the boogeyman drugs are a boogeyman this cartel is a boogeyman yeah instead um, of
3: instead of actually looking at that organization and going well okay we don't need you or maybe you would be better served if you were trying to deal with homelessness and the causes of that or or something that could actually directly help human beings, we're still gonna it I suppose it is partly the politics of fear. It's far easier to get money out of someone when you say, "Look, everyone's gonna die you know, it's rather exactly than it. everyone's it's, lives are gonna be ever so slightly better.
4: It's marketing all over again and, mm. and the gov- the governments do it all the time. They they Quite often there's a great uh, interview in the culture high with a professor called Alex Stevens, who's at uh, the University of Kent down by me, and he works in the civil service for a long time. And he says in the film that quite often it's easier to justify a policy uh, and back it up as opposed to creating a policy and then finding the evidence. Mm. Or it might be the other way around. I've probably, I've probably done a misservice to that quote. <laughs> but basically saying, you know, come up with the idea then we'll form up something as opposed to looking at the evidence and working out a policy from that point. Yeah, that, That's probably an easier way of putting it. And it's true. That's what, exactly what we do. And that's Yeah, what the it's, it's far easier to do.
3: say, hey, let's, let's leave Europe and give uh, 350 million to the NHS a week to actually then check that number. Oh, wait, that's not even possible. Fuck. <laughs> you yeah. Know.
4: And um, unfortunately, that's what we do. That's Government is, they can't, tend to have an idea of what they want to do and then they justify the behaviour as mm. opposed to going right well let's just let's be methodical within this um, so that's that's the other facet that I've got is the, the documentary making and it's something that I really enjoy because you get to meet on that film on the Culture High we work with Snoop Dogg mm. we work with Wiz Khalifa heard Richard, of both of those uh, I, was, I was sat in Richard Branson's home, falling asleep while I, while, I, while he was being interviewed. He's very boring. <laughs> Lovely house though. Um, <laughs> who else? Who else did we have? Rufus Hound. Rufus Hound. I'm sure you know. Heard him. of him? He, he was working on it with us, and it was. And we had this like big red carpet premiere in Piccadilly Circus, and it was. It's a standout memory for me. Is that when this is all over, and I've broken my back, which is probably quite literal that i've got these moments of red carpet premiere with a nice film um and mm. it's just it's there are nice moments you can have in activism despite the fact that 99 percent of it is just back-breaking work for not just me obviously but for so many people out there are trying to do this
3: yeah i, f- I find it really interesting because um i think to be able to be an activist is a somewhat privileged position to be able to have the free time or enough money to go off and do it. And I, I think sometimes that people forget that there is like a, a true human cost to the issues we're talking about. Mm. And you're coming from a place of with ME, you've had fucking woe. you've had your trial and tribulation and, and you're coming at your Activision from a personal point of view, which I don't know, Just I find far more interesting, far more compelling. You know, yes, it's not like you're trying to get them to legalise weed so you can get stoned, but you are trying to get people to think differently about drug policies so that people like yourself, people with Crohn's disease, can live a better life. And that that's the point of existence, isn't it? To leave the planet in... A better spot than when you joined it, you know.
4: And it's quite interesting what you say about activism, um, because I've, I've got a very different perspective in the sense that I mean, it's completely what you what you say is completely legitimised, and that quite often it is a privilege to be an activist because you do get to work and meet brilliant people. But the the the, the realms that I work in, most times it's it's purely hardship that are driving people. So, prime example, I work with big networks of people that have been abused as a child have got nothing they are scratching for a living or mm. probably had their benefits taken off of them they've got nothing and yet they're still pour- pouring everything into trying to try make the world a better place not mm. just for them but for everybody and it's so humbling when you get to meet those people um, there's a there's a guy that I know called Nigel Nigel Brunston who is hi Nigel if you're listening he's trying to network people at the moment because of what this pandemic is doing how it's creating a lot of people out there that you know might lose their lives because of either um, potentially suicide or purely they haven't got the resources to keep themselves going so he's trying to make sure that people are kept mentally healthy also getting services into them you know if if they do need medication or if they do need food you know most people that are putting everything into this have literally got nothing and it, it is just it really does redefine your existence when you're around that that kind of person mm.
3: it actually leads to that like why have we got to this point where we think social justice is a bad thing like you're bad for caring about other people it seems really odd
4: yeah it's it's strange the way that we twist the logic around that we compassion was, was, has almost been rationed um, mm. it's almost as if you know well we can sort a certain amount of disabled benefits over here but we've got to kind of not give the nurses a pay rise because, you know, we've got to make sure we still look after the economy. Mm. And and it's just, if you look after people first, the rest does tend to take care of itself, which I know is going to sound really left wing to a lot of people. But I, I generally don't put myself on any of the spectrum. I think I would I vote for anybody that's going to, you know, say what I want to hear. Mm. And that is just look after people. Let's not put money as the bottom line and have a community and a society that functions and we're having that conversation at the moment because of the pandemic and as you said you made the point of how can we carry that on and continue it and that's where we are going to probably all of us going to have to be an activist to some degree or another to make sure that when we're out there clapping on our doorstep for the NHS you translate that to the ballot box don't just superficially do it and go right okay we've we've looked after them because we have given them applaud it make sure you vote for the people that are going to be looking after them or hold the people to account that haven't. That's yeah. how you translate it. But, yeah,
3: it is that thing of we, we are given these really small ways to signal our virtue that we care yeah. about the NHS and stuff. And it is that thing of, well, what are you actually doing? And I actually get really frustrated because I, I don't think we should be giving money for people to make their own PPE or we should be giving money to charities to feed the NHS if we had a working government like we're paying tax and if businesses were paying tax and if people weren't avoiding tax who were in the position to do so then we wouldn't have to be raising money on the side for nurses to be fed or their all of that stuff. It shouldn't be a thing. And although I am deeply proud of the people who are putting together these uh, charities or, or just funding drives to make sure that people can feed their kids or whatever, they, they shouldn't have to. That's the frustration. And it's finding the ways to make sure that we don't ever have to do that again.
4: This is the bizarre thing about spin. M- media spin exists and political spin definitely exists because you've only got to look at food banks as an example. In the last couple of years, the, the, the incredible services that the food banks are putting out and the really altruistic nature of society that, were, that are putting things into a basket for a food bank, it's been heralded, heralded as a success. But the yeah. very notion of a food bank is the absolute epitome of a failure of a, of a he- healthy society. Yeah and that's spin for you we shouldn't have food banks and yet the fact that they that they're doing a massively brilliant job for us is heralded as a good thing. Mm. That doesn't weigh up.
3: Yeah, the, the 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 good thing would be that um we don't need food banks anymore because everyone's yeah. fed, you know. It's it's really interesting actually because I didn't realize uh so my mum's shielded so um she's obviously totally not allowed to leave leave her flat and stuff but she actually gets a food parcel off the government and um it was like that's no that's what the government are meant to do if she goes outside she dies that's where she's at you know the she has all of the underlying conditions plus a few more you know Mm. so our government has gone right well if she goes outside and gets coronavirus she's dead all right let's make sure she's not dead and that's what your government's job should be. Mm. Not Some of you are going to have to die so that this guy can have his dividends. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> There's nothing we can do,
4: you know. And this is, for me, where it's a privilege of doing and I'm going to work in a quick plug here, but this is why it's a privilege to do the Stop and Search podcast that I do because you manage to get those conversations mm. and broadcast them because you know, what we do on Stop and Search is... We, we talk about drug policy, but it's so much more than that. You know, it's more about the social issues that because mm. drug policy isn't just about drugs. It's about poverty. It's about domestic abuse. It's about addiction. It's about you know finances and the global economy. So when we get people on, like Tom Wainwright from The Economist, that can talk about global economies and how it functions because of the war on drugs and what it's at the detriment of, it's really fascinating. And also we get MPs that, you know, again, not all MPs are bastards because you know they do get labeled as such uh, i've worked with good ones i've worked with bad ones we've gone into parliament and done podcast live in parliament which the is the first um, ever
3: podcast recording i think in it parliament. was yeah um pip, pip which i'm not really that, so i i wrote it down <laughs> oh, really?
4: yeah. oh, I, oh my not god have you have you've been doing some kind of like fact finding on me I'm...
3: i do research i've oh, written god. stuff down we just haven't like said any of it i even wrote down the uh, pronunciation of me I'll,
4: I'll go for it. Try it. Uh,
3: myalgic encephalomyelitis. No. Encephalomyelitis. Yeah. That's, that's better than what I can do. Cause like, yeah. Even
4: now, after 30 years, I just mumble my way, way through it. I'm like, myalgic... And yeah.
3: Encephalomyelitis. There I've, we go. I've been
4: given an illness that I can't even pronounce. It's a yes, pain I'm in the ass, that. isn't it? <laughs> it's,
3: it's, like, it's like... Uh, they, I don't know whose joke it is. It's probably a Bob Monkhouse joke, but it's like really cruel that they... Uh, uh, gave dyslexics that name <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like guys
4: come on yeah all those we can't X's deal in with there. that um rodney and, yeah, dangerfield
3: we, that's a rodney dangerfield joke
4: although i think any any bob Monkhouse quote is is a good one even if it's even if it's false
3: even if it's somebody else's yeah. dangerfield was uh uh is it rodney Dangerfield? yeah he was in like caddy shack and all that
4: yeah he
3: was <laughs> properly like depressing depressing uh comedian everything was like pretty bleak in his humor he's like my dad said uh to me one time stop running out around in circles or i'll nail your other foot to the floor <laughs> you know like that sort of joke yeah. and uh yeah, he's like properly had a joke for everything but it was i don't know it was like that proper like self-deprecating not even de-
4: self-hating humor but yeah I quite often the dark comics are the ones that are more often than not the ones making the good points. Yeah. Yeah. Although um, I don't know if we can include Bob Monkhouse in that, bless him. Bob Monkhouse,
3: like, I always think of, like, Jimmy Carr is, yes. dirty, is the dirty Bob Monkhouse. That that should be a bio. That That is... Jimmy Carr's Twitter bio. Because they both have that same like encyclopedic knowledge of jokes. It's just mm. that you
4: know they like can rattle them off.
3: Yeah, but if Bob Monkhouse was born now, he would be Jimmy Carr. He would. Yeah. He wouldn't be have to be nice because to get on TV, because you can say, poop and willy and stuff on TV now. Knockers. I, I heard someone say knockers the other day. Yeah. yeah, or honkers. I don't oh, know what glory. that's geese.
4: No, yeah, that's there good. Was, Sorry, I probably, I probably shouldn't do this, but there, can you remember the word wabs? That was out. That was out for a wabs, little Wabs, waps. Yeah. I remember wabs. waps. People say that. I can't believe we've gone down this route. That's a
3: quick <laughs> retreat. My actual no, no. My favourite. We can
4: we can go off. My favourite breast word is norks. Yes, norks. That's that's quite quite old fashioned, isn't it? But it's had a bit of a comeback.
3: Yeah, well, because I think of it as Rick Mayo and Ade Edmondson in bottom. Mm. You know. And uh, yeah, for some reason, I just like it. Norks. It's it's got it's got a less sexual connotation to it. It's like the existence of a thing rather than
4: I I don't know. Have you followed the people that have just recently found bottom? Like the the sort of the I do what are we on? Are we, are we technically boomers or are we generation? How old X? are you? I'm forty.
3: You, well, I'm I'm yeah I'm forty one and I'm Gen X. I'm the right, I'm X. the edge of Gen X.
4: So whatever the next generation after us are, they've just recently started finding bottom and finding it really offensive. So
3: it depends how you break it up. They can be Gen Z. Um, So you have Gen Y and Gen Z, or you can wrap Gen Y into Gen X as a bigger group, and then Gen Z is millennials.
4: Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's millennials then. Just Millennials, yeah. They I just, just found recently bottom. found bottom and it's genius. And I c I've I've watched it back recently and I yeah, there there are a few things in there that really don't hold up. But uh, it's yeah I but, I mean I don't want to be that person if like it's of its time because you know that that never looks good on you. But it is of its time because at the time when I was when it came out I was about fourteen, I think. And I did, I loved it. Mm. And I and I still do because of the nostalgia of it. But I can see why it wouldn't necessarily hold up. Even though I love the fact, I love Rick Mayo and I love Aid Edmondson. But it's weird with
3: with bottom and the young ones when they w- they are still coming from a very like uh, socially democratic kind of place. They're, so there is still, even when they get things wrong by today's standards, they're coming from that a nice place. So it's not as, as hateful. But like when you go back to Friends, which is a decade or more later, and they do a shitty trans joke, it mm. can only ever come from that big-budget American TV yeah. place and feel horrible for it because you know that joke was only ever written for money. It wasn't written for any passion, you know. And, and you and haven't and got Alexi Sauer rocking up in Friends. And we've bought
4: it tends to be the jokes on them because they're the horrible people very much so yeah yeah so you've got that self-awareness of the fact that you know like you said the joke isn't on the victim it's on the people that the perpetrators it you're yeah you're you are meant to like
3: them but you're also meant to pity them
4: yeah Mm. yeah at at the time i found bottom a weird series because it felt a bit dirty (laughs) <laughs> um, but that's the same thing I like about it now. Is that yeah. It's just, it's, and like you said, the young ones. I, I was uh, tragically, me and my brother used to get a cassette recording and take the audio and just hold up our cassette and record the audio so that we could listen to it back because we didn't have a video recorder. Yeah. That's ca- how old we are. So. Those were the days, man. Um, plugs. Like, we've
3: really, listeners, we've meandered dramatically. This is probably the least formed podcast we've done but it's fine we're on the phone it's like a phone call isn't it um so things you need to plug what you know what we haven't talked about the fucking reason we did the podcast (laughs) the whole reason why we did this podcast
4: yes i mean is the thing is like we've known each other for a good like two years now we've never properly spoken we've never never
3: actually spoken so this is
4: yeah so we've just had a basically a a voyeuristic phone call with people going right what are they on about now
3: right because people uh don't listen to all the way to the end what i'm going to do is uh listeners this next bit we're actually saying goodbye to you now but this next bit we record you'll find this out if you listen this far is going to be right at the start yeah so he, he gets to plug the thing that he's meant to be plugging okay so we'll see you later and we'll continue talking okay
2: planning for your next trip
3: so how was that for you guys genuinely appreciate jason coming on he's a really nice man and uh he's done a lot he's done a lot documentary film producer i think is the correct term uh been in bands and stuff we learned loads there and we didn't even hear his cool tron story if you want that you have to go uh listen to hardcore listing Uh, with Chris and Stew, because he's on that he's on the distraction pieces network I don't know did I did I say that start probably not because I'm an idiot and I'm not professional uh I'm also out of breath how am I out of breath I'm just standing still in my house standing yes I do it standing so I don't ramble and now I'm rambling thanks guys ruined it I hope uh genuinely hope everyone's okay as well this is a career ender for a lot of people This is a very, very difficult time for a lot of people. And I'm not just talking about us creative wanks. I'm talking about real people with real jobs. So I genuinely hope you're staying safe and we get through this as quickly as possible so we can all get back to some level of normality. Although if you listen to Jason's podcast with me, you'll realise that my normality is (laughs) hermit-like. I did not realise how messed up my own life is, but we'll fix that. If you did enjoy the podcast, obviously, hit up patreon.com forward slash grab some music from danasac.bandcamp.com, do all those things, tweet about it, all makes a massive difference. Although I do this as a hobby, like, it, I can't help but dream of a day where I could support myself with it. Never gonna happen. But, you know, that's fine. And you have a lovely day. And I'll uh, see you in a fortnight. Enjoy.